Let's just bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, I'm grateful for the gift of language and words and that, Jesus, you are the word. And I pray that you would write your word in our hearts. I pray that you would help us be people of gracious speech. And I ask as the preacher this morning that you would help me be true and clear. And I pray this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So as I've been doing a little bit in this sermon series, I've picked a memory verse today that is actually not from the the first reading we had. So I'm jumping over to Proverbs, to a different section of Proverbs, to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20 through 3 for our memory verse. And these are printed in your order of service. But it'll also be on the screen behind me here. So as we've been doing, we'll um, together recite this memory verse from the screen. We'll take it away, and then we'll try and say it again from our short-term memory. And hopefully, you'll take the bulletin home and try to commit it more to long-term memory. So let's together say this verse. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Proverbs 15, 23. And look at it real quick. Try and, oh, it's gone. All right. Okay, here we go. Let's try again. You can look at it in your bulletin for a second too if you need to. Ready? To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season how good it is. Proverbs 15, 23. Well done. All right. Keep working on those and even try and remember some of the ones from the prior weeks and see if you can pull those back up to memory uh, because it's so important to have God's word in your heart. Now, speaking of that, speech is a gift. The ability to communicate with people through language is a gift from God. And in fact, in some ways, it's part of being made in his image. God is a speaking God. And if you look at the Word of God, we call the Bible the Word of God, going from Genesis 1-3 to Revelation 22 at the end, we see God speaking. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And in Revelation, when you get all the way to the end, the angel that is speaking on behalf of our Lord says, these words are trustworthy and true. And of course, the Word himself, Jesus, is all through the Scriptures. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the prologue to his gospel, capital W word. So language and word, all of this is very important. And it's powerful. Speech is powerful. It has the ability to influence and to transform and to communicate and express emotions and love and all sorts of things. So it needs to be handled with care. <clears throat> now James, the brother of Jesus, to whom uh, his name actually is the epistle in the New Testament. He's been considered the wisdom writer of the New Testament, says a lot about words. Listen to just some of what he says. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Your religion is worthless if you can't control your tongue. Don't claim to have faith if deeds don't match your talk. The tongue makes big boasts despite its small size. And speaking of the tongue, he says this, it's a fire. a a world of iniquity. He says the tongue is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. It's a fountain of grumbling. And he also acknowledges that the same person can give speech that is both a blessing and a curse out of the same mouth. He said it's like a, a water spring that brings forth salt water and fresh water intermittently. And that doesn't happen. It's not right. So your mouth can bring forth blessing and cursing, but it should bring forth blessing. And he says some people, some Christians, speak evil against fellow believers. He says 
that some are inconsistent in their words and their promises. They say yes and they say no in the same time. In fact, Jesus also says that in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't, as we would say, don't speak out of both sides of your mouth. We have these kind of expressions. And maybe the summary of James's wisdom on this topic is this, which, by the way, makes me terrified even to stand here and presume to speak for him. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. And that comes right after him saying, don't everyone presume to teach because those who teach will be held to a higher standard. So I tremble a bit. And as a northerner, I speak fast, so I have many words flowing out of my mouth, and that's trouble, that's danger. Now, speaking of that, how many words do you think you say in a day? Now, if you Google this, you will find bad data, chauvinistic data, that will say something like, women speak 10,000 words in a day, and men only speak 5,000 words in a day. Well, the journal Science decided to actually do a scientific study of this. And they got 400 college students of mixed genders, and they put a recording device on them that every 12 and a half minutes would kick on, and it would record 30 seconds of what they were saying, or nothing, if they were being silent. And they compiled all the data, and they came up with interesting results. Just think for a minute what you'd expect to find. How many words do you think the average man and the average woman say in a 24-hour period? It was almost identical. It was 16,000. Men and women didn't make a difference. It's 16,000. And the highest had 47,000 words. And he was a man. The top three were men, actually. And the lowest was 700 words. And guess what? It was a man as well. So the gender stuff is off the table. But what's important is, on average, we'll say 16,000 words in a 24-hour period. And a question I ask is, in the last 16,000 words you said yesterday, how much of that was building others up how much of that was blessing and how much of that was grumbling and tearing down and complaining and, and even worse. So words are powerful. And what are you doing with your words? I, I was looking online at a commercial. I kind of, you know, I, I'm a child of the 70s. I was born in the 70s. So in the like 70s and 80s, TV and commercials were a thing. And I briefly remembered a commercial. And so I went and found it on YouTube. I watched all these commercials yesterday for E.F. Hutton. Some of you will know the slogan, but it was a brilliant marketing campaign. E.F. Hutton was a financial brokerage account, a brokerage firm, and they had these um, commercials where like two guys are eating in a restaurant and it's noisy and there's you know, silverware clanging around and other people talking and the one guy's like, yeah, well, my broker says I ought to be making some moves in this market. And the other guy says, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton and he said, and then it freezes, and the whole restaurant goes like this. And then the narrator says, in like a really deep, you know, very important voice says, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. I mean, there was a ridiculous one where a first grader is called to recite the alphabet, and she stands up, A, B, C, D, E, F, E, F, E, F, Hutton. And all the first graders go like this. I mean, it was so stupid. <laughs> but the thing is, it was very memorable. And, it, and th it makes me think, like, how do you become the kind of person who, when you say something, people care to hear it? Do people ask your advice? Do people want your opinion on things? Is your speech full of truth and goodness and helpful? Those are important questions. Now, in Proverbs chapter 25, where our reading was today, I just picked a couple of verses. There's a lot in Proverbs on language, but it's kind of scattered. Proverbs has a bit of truth here and another one here and another one here. And there were a couple of verses together, and I really liked it. So uh, verse 
uh, chapter 25, verse 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It's a beautiful poetic picture, and, you know, Proverbs is full of poetry. It's a word fitly spoken. And this is not just like one word you would say. And, and you have to look this up in commentators, and it's, there's, a, there's a Hebrew idiom here. The word for word is debar, and the word to speak a word is debur. So it says debar debur, and it's, it's an idiomatic expression, and it's, uh, it's in the Old Testament maybe a half a dozen or more times. And in those other cases, it's not just one word. It's arriving at a, a mutual decision. As there's dialogue and discussion, we might say, what's the word from headquarters? Or everybody's debating what to do for dinner, and somebody gives uh, a thought that everyone agrees with, and they go, oh, that's a good word. And then that becomes a decision. I'll, I'll share um, something from a number of years ago. I felt like the Lord was leading us to change our church name from New Grace Church, which is still, by the way, our legal name, to St. Andrew's Church, because in the context of reading about Andrew bringing people to Jesus, including his brother Simon, I felt like the Lord was saying, I, I'm changing your name, which he actually was changing our name, but I jumped to application without enough reflection on it. And so we had a lot of dialogue about this, and um, one of the words that was brought forth from someone in this room who I didn't ask permission to say the name, so I won't say it, but at one point in a discussion said, I don't know, if we change the name, it just feels like we're walking away from our testimony. And it was one of those words. It was, it was a word fitly spoken. It was timely in that moment. It had this weight of truth to it, and it led in part to us deciding to call the church Grace Anglican Church. It was a word fitly spoken. So in this first verse, it's more about the word that leads to helping a good decision come forth. The second one, verse 12, says, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. This one's more person to person. Like a gold ring would match a gold ornament, the reprover matches the listening ear. They go together. This is a good thing when somebody needs a word of encouragement or a word of reproof even, and their ear is a attuned to it, and then the reprover brings that word. It's a, a teachable moment, and there's a good student and a good mentor. And so we have both, kind of the, the larger group situation and the individual word from one to another. But this image and this poetic idea using gold, well, gold is valuable and it's beautiful. So a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Now, I'm not sure which way the, the author intended it, whether it's like, a, like literally a golden apple, like a, a place setting with fake fruit on it, or it's more like a nice silver platter, and then etched into it is the artisan's work to put apples that have gold, like gold lace or something around it. Regardless, the point is it adds to its beauty and its value. And so godly speech is both beautiful and valuable. That's what we're picking up here. And even from our memory verse, a word in season, how good it is. The timely word that describes the situation and helps bring meaning to, the, to whatever's going on. I remember um, something from 20 years ago, words that came out of my mouth that were good words in season, and I didn't quite realize it immediately, but I can remember that moment like it was yesterday. 
And Dan Wolf, our associate pastor who's planting a church in New England, was there as a student, a high school kid. We were on a mission trip to, we were in the Bahamas, and we were uh, serving the Haitian immigrants in this poor part of the island there. And we were doing, you know, mission work all day. And then we came back to our little compound at night. And on one of the nights, midweek, um, our worship leader had his guitar and sort of a time of spontaneous worship and prayer broke out um, in the evening. We were just so full of God's goodness and we'd been serving him and we were overjoyed and we just, we were worshiping him, singing songs, praying prayers, giving thanks. And when it was time to go to bed and it ended, as we were all kind of walking away, I walked past Dan and I went, man, I live for that. And, I, and then I saw the look on his face and it, was, it, it landed so profoundly and true that he was taken aback by it. And I remember the look on his faith, face. And then years later, when we reconnected up and he ended up coming to work with us, he said, you know, there was this one time when we were on that trip and, and he remembered exactly because it was, it was a, a word in season and it was a good word. We actually were made to worship God. And that's what we had been doing. And it, it, it overflowed from my heart. And I just said, man, I was made for this. This is what I was made for. And it's what we we're all made for. And it described what was happening. It gave language to something that was so profound, and, and God used it. Now, Jesus is the source of this kind of speech that we need. So we all want to have words that are, that are apt, an apt answer. We want to have speech that is, it's the, it's the timely word when it needs to be spoken. We want, it, we want to speak with, with wise words. Where do we get them? Well, Jesus, of course, as the word of God, is our source. And so... If you look at even how Jesus spoke as examples, he was really clear on where he got his words from. In, in John chapter 8, he says, um, He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Jesus was in constant prayerful connection with his heavenly Father, and that was the source of his teaching content and his authority. He says, I do nothing of my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Of course, Jesus is the perfect man, back to what James says, and he doesn't stumble in what he says. His words are so profound and true. That's why we actually stand for the gospel reading. These are the actual words that Jesus spoke. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. So we make a big deal of what Jesus said. And we can learn by example from the source of his, his teaching. It was in a prayerful connection with his Father. And so Jesus was constantly sharing the truth of the Father. Now for us, we're not perfect men and women, and so we do stumble in our speech. But we want to grow in godly speech. We want to have uh, speech that is beautiful and valuable, like apples of gold and settings of silver. And so... The gospel reading that I, I picked today to go along with this um, Proverbs chapter 25 was from Matthew 15, and Jesus was actually in a debate about ceremonial cleanliness and whether or not to wash hands or how to do that kind of thing, not for sanitation, uh, for a symbolic thing. And they were, they were debating as to what makes a person unclean. And Jesus' answer, although not specific to words, actually is really instructive for us. He says it's not what you eat that makes you unclean because you eat something and it just goes into your stomach and then it's passed out from your body. He said it's actually the other way. It's whatever comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean because it's out of the overflow of the heart 
That's what the mouth speaks, is what's coming out of your heart. So if you want to have good speech, you want to have a good heart. And if maybe, to look at it this way, if your speech is bad and critical and negative and tears people down all the time, you've got to ask some questions about what's going on in here. What's in your heart if that's what's coming out of your mouth? Now, the good thing is we can come to the Lord and we can give him our hearts. And the gospel is about God transforming us from the inside out, not us cleaning up our acts so we'll be accepted. So we come to him and say, God, I have a heart problem and I need you to transform my heart. And a heart that's been given to God will start to care about the things of God and will start to understand about his kingdom. You know, we begin worship by acknowledging that God is blessed. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom. His kingdom has been made manifest in Christ. It's available here. And so when it comes to application for our speech, I think one thing is to give our hearts to God, but another thing is to start to understand how his kingdom works. So the saying, you've heard this, you know, this is wise old saying, you've, you've got one mouth and two ears. You should be listening twice as much as you speak. You have two ears and one mouth. That's good. There's good wisdom in that. But I want to twist it slightly and say this. You have two ears and you have two ways to listen. You can be listening to God and asking him in prayer, where's your kingdom in this moment? What are you doing here in this conversation, in this group, in this personal interaction? God, what would you say and at the same time, be listening to the person. Be developing that, that prayer language, that, that connection with God of an inner prayer that's going on and saying, Lord, how can I bring something of your kingdom into this moment? It's a two-dimensional two thing. I find this to be incredibly helpful. And so those questions of like, what would Jesus do, WWJD, they're actually kind of useful in that moment. Like, how would Jesus bring the kingdom here? What might he say in a moment like this? And for a heart that is in love with God, that is reading his word, that is studying what Jesus taught and what the gospels say, you start to be able to anticipate what he might be like. In fact, it's one of the things I like about that chosen TV series that's, that's out, that's very popular. Obviously, it's extra biblical because they have to fill in all sorts of details. And, of course, they're speaking English, but they're reading Hebrew, but Jesus spoke Aramaic, and the Bible's written in Greek and Hebrew. I mean, it's, there are inconsistencies. But they're looking at Jesus from the Gospels, and they're saying, what might this dialogue have been like? And I think that's actually helpful for us to ask the question of, what would his kingdom look like right here? And how, how might Jesus speak if he was living my life as me? And because I've been with him so much, just like Jesus says, it's, it's I speak on the Father's authority. The Father gives me the words to speak. And I feel like for us, that's possible as well. For a heart that's been given to God, and a person who's been in the Word, and you start to study the life of Jesus, you know what he would say in a certain situation. And then you say that thing, a word in season, to give an apt answer, you know, a, a, a word that is fitly spoken. It's apples of gold and settings of silver. This is what we want. We want our speech to matter. We want our words to build up. We want to bring God's kingdom and have him work through our words. And so, two things to consider. One, Give him your heart. I mean, really, say, Lord, take my heart and transform it, because I can't do this in my own abilities. I need you to make the tree good so the fruit will be good, to use another one of Jesus' metaphors. I need you to heal my heart so that the words that I say will be an overflow of goodness, because you are making my heart good, not because of anything good that dwells in me and my own power. 
And then the second thing would be one of reflection. Back up a little bit and consider the last couple of days. What's your speech been like? What's come out of your mouth? Has it been unwholesome talk? Has it been crude joking? Has it been sarcasm? Or worse, has it been tearing down of people? Or is it the kind of thing that has been building up? When people interact with you, they're like, man, I feel refreshed because of that interaction. That person encouraged me in some way. We want that, not the other. But it'd be good to do a little self-examination with the topic of words. So if you're brave enough, be willing to consider what you've just said. For nothing is lost with our Lord. He knows everything. So just go back to him and say, God, show me what my speech has been like and why. And then come into my heart and heal it so that I can give the kind of speech that is beautiful and valuable, godly speech. Would you pray with me? Lord, this topic of words um, is so relevant because we will say so many of them every single day. And I pray that you would heal our hearts. I pray that you would speak your goodness into our lives. Lord, um, show us what's going on deep in the, the core of each one of us. And I pray that we would be a blessing. I pray that you'd give us the ability to understand how your kingdom works, that kingdom things would happen in our lives. And it would be to your joy and your glory. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.